I cannot wait. Recording is in progress. It is. It is. Um, yeah, the the idea, right, date of view, it's scary. <laughs> like the plugin is scary. Right? Now Yes. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 <laughs> yes it is i have put off using data view for over a year uh i've i've installed it multiple times countless times and gone i don't get it and then uninstalled it and then i watch people and then i see people say data view is amazing it's great blah 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 and then i'm like yeah don't get it i don't get it <laughs> um and i could never I, I understood how it worked. Oh, yeah, you make a table or you make a list of all your query searches. Great. That is not how it works. <laughs> but it is. Fundamentally, that's how it works. And I was like, I can make a list of stuff, but it's just search. And I was like, what's the difference between this and just searching for something with the normal search? <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, right, there isn't a difference if that's all you do with it. Yeah. If that's all you do with it, that isn't. There, there's no difference. It's as soon as you start adding in where and then conditions or adding in more columns to the table or sorts to the table or insert literally every other code variable you can put. Like imagine notion formulas, but inside the filters and sorts and groups. Uh, 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 no, 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 no. That's offensive. That is offensive. It's not notion formulas. No, it's more complex. It's than way, that. way better. It is not formulas. I am not. I'm not going to be popular with Notion people. <laughs> After last week's episode and this episode, what what I, well. what I do want to say though is, um, I think using Notion, like I mentioned, I think it was the last episode, using Notion as a, a dictionary, I guess, to use to to talk about data view. Um, it might have been off camera actually. But when you think of Notion, a lot of people know Notion. They they understand, okay, yeah. there's a property in a database. They're sort of getting their head around it in the PKM note-taking productivity space anyway. People outside of Notion, obviously, no idea. Um, but people in the space, they, they are starting to get, okay, I can filter, I can sort, I can use properties. Cool. Inside of data view, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. But the property, instead of it being in a database, is in a page. And you can have... Any property in any page, you don't have to have the page in the database to have the property. Yeah. So it doesn't have that constraint. And the property can be in the YAML or front matter at the top of the page, or it could be written in the page in two different ways. And it could be in line of a block as well. So you don't have to reference the whole page. It could be just a block. So it's databases with properties, but the properties aren't for just pages in the database. It's pages in other databases and in blocks in any page in any database. <laughs> so it's like a database, just no constraints. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Coda. Yeah, they're inline formulas. And, and, and like they're inline formulas. And I'm like, hmm. Yum. Like just watching what you have done, and I'm like, oh, I know what that means. I could do that too. That's quite exciting. And what, the um <clears throat> what mic are you using? It sounds like you're eating your mic every once in a while. Does it? I I'm on my um 
AirPods because my proper mic yeah. is dead. Is Ah, okay, yeah, so it really is it really noticeable? very noticeable. Let me see what I can do if I can fix it. If not, then I'll switch <laughs> back and we'll just see how long it lasts. yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a long episode anyway. Uh, but yeah, so while No. while you're while you're doing that, I'll have a quick chat with a, like a general data view. So with data view, there's the normal data view. Uh, have you tried the mic? Yeah, how's that? Is that better That's or yeah, that's no? better. I don't know what you've done. Have you Cool. just changed it to the mic? Yeah, I've just I've just changed it so that it's not um got the trans it's on transparency mode basically. Yeah, it's it's better. It's still it's still different, but it's better. Um, yeah. So data view, you've got the normal data view, which is what I would class as just basics. Like you can filter from places, you can sort different things, and you can look for specific pages, specific tags, a path, or anything. Then there is the more advanced use of data view, which is DQL. I don't know what that stands for. I think it's like data query logic, something like that. Uh, Oh, yeah. and you can start adding in other things into the where clauses, like contains this or doesn't contain that. And when you think of notion formulas, that's basically what it is. It's if contains and all that sort of stuff and buts and ors and ands and other words. with the greater thans, the smaller thans, the equal thans, the not equal thans, and all the other symbols. It's great fun, if you understand formulas anyway. And then on top of that, you've got a data view JS, which, which, basically, Yeah. which basically says, there's JavaScript inside of Obsidian. Do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Go play. Yeah. yeah. And all of that is in one plugin, which I think is pretty impressive. And what I was, so I was having a conversation with someone earlier about data view and I was realizing, cause they were saying, well, where can I learn about it? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> like there are videos on YouTube. I'm, I'm going to speak candidly because that's what we do. And the videos aren't bad. They tell you what you need to know, but I can't relate to any of them. Like they say, they, they come up with these weird examples. You're like, when am I ever going to need to do that? Yes, I understand it's for showing practicality, but I'm like, when am I ever going to need to reference a project in a person that doesn't exist, or a project that doesn't exist in all of this information that you probably won't need, but you might need if this magical scenario appears? Like, I, I, I don't get it, which is why I struggle with data view. And the two main videos that I've watched on YouTube that are the most popular with data view are great. They tell you exactly what you need to know for the basics. I don't know when, how, why I would do it, which is why I didn't use data view. What What are your experiences with it? Yeah, this is this is <clears throat> something that so it's not necessarily data view specific, but it's like coding, like JavaScript in general, because that's what I've been learning. I've been learning JavaScript and React and all of these little delicious coding pieces that I wanted to learn for so long. But the problem is, is it teaches me the fundamentals and then that's it. And you're kind of like left without any direction. without any concepts that are like, related to your own wants, desires, and needs. And so you're like, well, well, where do I, I get all of these like little components and the pieces of it, but how do I actually do what I want to do? And there aren't really 
any resources. I created a tweet a little while back, like, I want to do this. How do I do it? Quiet. As I'll just learn this, just learn that. And I'm like, right. Yeah, but I do get that. And I've been doing that for years, various like tools, various apps. Obviously, going back to Notion Formulas, Notion Formulas is a form of JS, from what I understand. Like the syntax is very similar, yeah. unlike um, Excel, which is just Excel and Google Sheets and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's um, Like, yeah, and whereas it's JS. So I've got some knowledge there that I have of each of the pieces, but putting it together is where my brain is like, well, well how do I even do the thing that I want to do? And that is what I found and experienced with, with data view as well. It's very much like, I know what I can do. I've looked through all of the documentation and, and read through that and like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize you could do that. at all. And I have the pieces but like linking it together is just like, well, where do you even start? Like, where do you even start? Like actually connecting things together, releasing things and, and doing something with all of the things that you've learned. Um, and that's where I got caught with all types of coding and what brings me straight back to no code because I yeah. just use no code and then put a line of, javascript in every so often or pull in a json file and do some magic tricks with that and just get over it because that's all i can do because there is no like gap between creating massive bits of code and programming and learning what the bits of programming code are there's no guide you're just like okay this is a for loop this is the this this is the conditionals this is a variable there you go Something else that's driving me nuts when trying to learn data view, which I mean, the data view chat in Discord is amazing. Just going to like, like upvote them like 100 times. <laughs> there are so many people in there that know what they're doing. And if they don't, they figure it out. Like we, it's a working community. People can come up with different solutions. I was trying to figure something out. And I got like four different solutions to the same thing, which I got to pick from. And I understood some more than others. So that's what code is. But when I was looking at all the examples or the help documentation, it was it was written in code language. This function does blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't understand the words that you're trying to explain the, the, the code in. <laughs> How am I meant to understand what the code does if I don't understand the explanation? Like, what? And I feel like the, the simple terms are taken out of code because it, it, it feels like a different language. It's not just that the code is a language you need to learn, but the code that they, the, the language that they explain the code in is also a different language. I'm like, what is this? And then I go and look at examples. Do you know what they do? They just have the code there. I'm like, yeah, but what does it do? Put yeah, comments like, in what there. Tell it? me what like, it does. Like, like, give me some freaking context. And it goes back to a previous episode where we were talking about like jargon. And it is so jargon heavy. Like it is jargon, jargon plus more jargon. And you are just stuck trying to guess what it may mean. Exactly. Because you don't know. And so this is something that I've slowly figured out is that the language in there is really easy to understand. And when you when you sort of start to understand the basics of the language, it's very easy to read someone's code. You're like, oh, I get that. I get that. I get that. There's just that little bit in the middle. I'm like, yeah, I don't understand what that means. And the way that I learn code is by quite literally 
I mean, in Notion, when I was doing formulas, I would have a property with a formula in there and the name of the property would be what it does. I'd have like 15 properties all with the broken up code to make yeah. sure everything works and then bung it all together at the end. And I'm doing the same inside of Obsidian with the data view, but something data view allows me to do, which Notion didn't, is I can just put a comment in the code to remind me what it does. It doesn't affect anything. It is just a reminder. So if I go into any of the data views that I have, I'm like, yeah, what does that do again? It tells me. And so same conversation, but sort of separate business side is when I do push out this template that I'm building, uh, there will be data view queries in there. But the data view queries, because you're going to get the local copy, will have the comments in there explaining what it does. So it's not a, here's a data view, figure it out. <laughs> it's a, here's a data view, but here's an explanation of how it works, which inside of Notion would be this filter does this, this sort does this. I, I think those explanations are really helpful, and really useful for people trying to learn it. Um, I do have a thing, yeah. couple of things I want to show you as well. But... I really can't wait to see it. It kind of goes with something I was thinking about this morning. So on Twitter, I think it was Elite Digital. No, it was two two separate people on Twitter that had comments. One was a reply to Tiago's tweet um, around explaining how simplicity, what he means mm. is simplicity. And then I'm just like, wait, every time I see someone write simplicity and put it in the same boundary as minimalism, I'm like, nah, <laughs> I am so tired of that. It's going to stop. And so if I see, with love to anyone who's listening, if you write simplicity and you mean minimalism, I'm a, I'm a coming. I'm going to come and ask what you actually mean. I know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> I know what you're going to do. <laughs> but I don't think I, I am. My suspicion is I didn't think even you could do it. Unironically. Oh, I could try. <laughs> you could try, but I don't think you would. <laughs> I have a suspicion you probably wouldn't. And and this happened to a two different two separate occasions. One was in simplicity, and one was like life purpose. And everybody uses this language and these words, but they don't have that context around what they actually mean by that. Like, what are you actually trying to say? Like, where are you actually trying to go? I don't want to rehash the other episode, but like, really, like, what is simplicity? It's, as I said in that episode, it's enoughness. Like, mm. what is enough for you? And because the pithy tweets are so easy to write, all of the context is lost. And people are just like, yeah, it's great. It's great. Give me, give me the pithy tweets. Great. But also give me the context. Like, or provide an option to ask questions for more context. And what I am actually doing, when I see these pithy tweets, I'm asking. I want to know more about what they actually mean. Because often when you get further down, it's actually far more nuanced and deeper, more interesting than the pithy flipping tweets. And yeah. so if you see a pithy tweet, I invite you to ask a question about what they mean. I did it this morning with, I think it was Elite Digitist or Digital or something like yeah. that. I loved the conversation because he was there like sharing these things and sharing, and what do you have? And I'm like, finally, we're getting somewhere interesting to actually have interesting conversations linking back to the philosophy of practice because they prompt you to think about what you actually mean with what you're saying. And do you believe what you say? Because often there is that, I mean, I've done it before in the past where I've said one thing and then said another thing and they are in direct contradiction with each other 
because I haven't given the context around it. And the words really do matter. They are so darn important because, once again, this is productivity. These are people's lives that you're messing with if you don't respect it. And you have to respect it. You have to give the context. It's 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 wonderful to talk about how much revenue you're earning, <clears throat> but talk about the bit behind the revenue. Because, because that's the important bit. That's the interesting bit. If I was to ever share revenue numbers, I would be sharing the bits behind the scenes. Mm. Because that is that is like so much more valuable. In fact, I've got to give Ali Abdul a little bit of credit because he does do that mm-hmm. because he shares his revenue and yes it's a bit clickbaity and he gets yeah. his money from talking about how much money he earns which is just beautiful but he also took talks about how much he spends and he's yeah. really I'm um, loving I can actually gain something from the videos that Ali is producing because he talks about his 2.4 million dollar flat and then talks about why and really gives more context. And I think that is something that I would like to see more creators do is to really talk about the context behind it. And no, it's not as easy to do in a pithy tweet. Believe me, I've tried. I do try. That's why I don't tweet very much. <laughs> but there's still something to be had from just giving a little bit of context in your pithiness. And it helps to connect the dots. Yeah, I think that comes down to depth. Like, I think a lot of people, when they tweet, they tweet quite shallow. Um, I I think that's partly an affordance or constraint of the amount of characters you have, the amount of words you can use. So it's very difficult to get that out, which is where threads become potentially useful. But threads require people to actually read through the whole thread and pay attention sort of thing, which... uh Twitter, do you really want to pay attention on Twitter? <laughs> I think most of the threads that I read, I bookmark and then I read them when I actually want to read them. Like Thomas Frank's thread on um, his template thing. I saw one one of the messages like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then I saw it as a thread. So I'll, I'll bookmark the thread and I'll read it another time. Because, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, for, for those listening, you're, you are still a bit like robot, robot-y every once in a while. So for those listening, apologies. But yeah. Yeah, so are you for me. So that's interesting. Oh, oh maybe it's Zoom then. Maybe it's not your mic. Maybe it is Zoom. Because you are you were a bit robot-y too. Ooh. Don't know. Don't know. Maybe Zoom's not having a, having a good moment. We'll have to see. I mean, Zoom. Yeah, it is Zoom. Yeah, it did have a bit of a, a moment at the start. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have a, a share just to give you some ideas for those watching on YouTube. You'll be able to see this as well. Um, if you're listening, I will try and describe oh, it. Oh but... wow! What? Oh, oh wow! Okay. All, all, all calendar. I... Yeah. Did you not know that was a thing? No, I haven't explored enough because I got annoyed because I didn't understand what was going on. All right, yeah, on. yeah. Um, you, for those of you that don't know, you can make a calendar in data view. Um, <laughs> uh, and you can see I've got a dot in there. And when I hover over, it's a page preview for that video. So this is essentially a, a content calendar um, with with data view. Uh, yeah, that was that that wasn't one of the exciting points, John. <laughs> I know, but I'm in. Enjo- I mean, I can see the rest of the exciting points, but I just like vi- 
visually it's like very appealing to see the calendar inside of a page i was like oh that's nice i like that yeah it's nice it's just a nice view looks yeah. nice it's also very simple i mean it's literally calendar when when is the property that i've called it it could be date it could be whatever um from projects because that's the project tag and then where is when so where is like a filter for the when day um so when you have a look at the property you can see when dot dot that's the date that's nice very nice yeah it's pretty simple as well um yeah i like that i like it's, that. it's interactable so like next month blah 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 today so yeah it... and i like that it's and i like that it is interactive in in reader is it reading view i think it's reading view no i'm in no, live I'm preview but live preview in live preview because that's the one thing that obviously we said before, wasn't it, around things in live preview. Sometimes they don't show, but I do like the fact that it's in live preview and you can see the calendar. I like that. It's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Uh, below it is just a, a list of stuff. So this is what's in the calendar. So kind of like in Notion where you have your calendar and then you have your task list at the side, you can do the same thing. Nice. Um, and it's just a list from projects using the when property and then sorting by when. Uh, so it's showing the when after the list. So there's the page and there's the date. So you've got your list of whatever's in the calendar, which, again, you could do in Notion. And if you wanted to, this is something else that um, I, I've learned as like, I built this calendar and I was like, oh, can I make a list like you do in Notion? Yes, I can. Oh, cool. And then I remembered, actually, can I limit things? Because inside of Notion, you can yes. limit to 10, 25. Yes, you can. You yes, just, you can. Yeah. You just type limit and then whatever number you want. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is so simple. And I do love that. Yeah. The the next two, the next two are quite exciting. I'm going to go with this one first. So what this is, is this is automatically, the code is a little bit nasty, though, uh, because it's progress bars. <laughs> but what this is doing is it's looking for all of the tasks in these pages in yeah and it's automatically creating a progress bar from it so if i open up the test page you can see i've got one done and one not done if i tick that so it's uh not been completed then this will update when it goes back into the there it is um zero and it's also changed the goal um so nice. i think i take that done it's going to go there uh, it'll take a second or two to update and there we go, 50% because it's one out of two, obviously. And this 20% is the goal of all three of these pages because of my goal page. <laughs> oh, that is, that, oh, so oh, it's, that's quite nice. So it's looking for these three pages and finding the task for that. So that's what the goal is. It's just a goal page and put those in. I take the page out. It doesn't look for it anymore. And if there isn't a task in any of those pages, like the Vaultcraft page, there wasn't a task in it. It says zero. I added a task, so it appeared. If I take that task away, it would disappear from this view because it doesn't have a task in, so it doesn't contribute towards the goal. I was like, that is very nice. Yeah. Um, I will very briefly show you the code, but everyone that doesn't like code, avert your eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's basically... not actually that quote unquote complicated. Um, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're talking from a code perspective, it's simple. If you're talking from a no code perspective, go run, or run away now. 
Precisely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you've basically, I've, I've got comments in here, create table that creates the table. Um, then I've got the other section in there, which is the progress bars of the table. Uh, then you've got the actual names of the columns because it's a table <laughs> and then remove the bullet points because it's in an array that you're pushing through. But yeah, so basically what you'd need to do is just change a couple of um, pages, a couple of names in there to change the name of like projects, pro progress, goal progress. And then, so in inside of here, I've got goal one, uh, excuse me, from here. So it's outgoing from goal one. That's what I'm looking for. You can just add another goal in there. Add yeah. as many goals in there as you want. You could put the, the goal progress underneath. Nice. You can change it where you want. Um, and I will say I got um, some of this code from the example database in Obsidian Data View. So like another shout out to them. And then the other one here, which I think is going to be much more reminiscent of a Notion database right here, is tabs. I was wondering that. I did see the table tabs. I'm like, ooh, I like. Yeah. So, That's nice. And you can have as many as you want in here, obviously, because it's fully customizable. And... I'm, I'm looking for depth verifiable and perspective because that's to do with Vaultcraft, but you can add anything in there. So that could be a date. It doesn't have to be a table. It could be a list. You could have a, a table, then a list, and then a calendar in different views. So you could have your, your calendar view up here in calendar, and then you could have your, your to-do list in this tab, and you can have your, your table in this tab, which is basically what Notion's databases are with their views. Oh, well, shit. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you can see at, at the top here, I've got done. So I'm in the done section. We've got data view testing page. So that's there because it's looking for the status of done. If I change this to uh, doing, it's going to take a second. And they go, it's gone now because it's now in doing. Yep. Yep. Really nice. I, I, I have no words. That is really nice. It is uh, a little slow, though. I, I am on Zoom. I am and... being really, I am being really picky, obviously, but slow. But it's, it's like a second. Instantane. Yes, I know, but Obsidian is not a second. <laughs> Fair. Um. There's there's the the, the Cody stuff behind it, and it, again, it's not. It doesn't look nasty, but that's because it's it's been made to look nice, almost. <laughs> Like I've got yeah. comments in there of what things are and what things might do and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, and what what I think is useful here is everything inside of Notion seems to be doable using data view. So I'm going to stop screen yeah. sharing now. But when I think about it, the table, the list, the, gra uh, the, the calendar are all doable there. When you look at the Kanban board, you have a Kanban plugin inside of Obsidian if you want all of that. Um, I personally don't use a Kanban board, but most Kanban boards, you could just use um, a, a different view of the data view and just toggle between the doing, done, whatever. Instead of having an actual board, you can just split the views. Timeline, who uses a timeline view in Notion? <laughs> Sorry, bit, bit of shade, but like I don't know anyone that really uses it. Um, and then the gallery, well, you can just have, have a, a client data. who does. What's their use case? They, um, kind of tech. Okay. So they are tech people. So timeline view tech people that kind of tracks a little bit. 
big massive projects with website builds so okay okay i mean you could make that obviously in data view but it'd be much more difficult than a timeline view unless you've got a template from someone that you just like oh yeah i'll take that which i certainly think is possible in the future with with obsidian templates i know notion templates are a bit nasty but i think database uh, data view templates would be a bit different because it's much more skillful in creating that rather than a notion database with filters and sorts if you've got formulas like really complex formulas in notion fair enough but i mean if your template is just filters and sorts anyone can do that I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, some of the templates I see, I'm like, I could recreate that in five minutes. Why Why would I bother building it? Obviously, I'm not their target audience. But the same could be said, like, if, if they watch a video on YouTube for 10 minutes and they can recreate it, is it really worth it? Obviously, that's an argue for money, value, what you're getting for your value. But I think a data view, view like that takes more than a 10-minute video to be able to replicate unless you're unless the video literally tells you exactly how to do it. But still, I think it's going to be longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Unless it's copy this code in here. Yeah, for this exact use case. Mm. Which... Difficult. But it does... It does pose a question, though. Mm -hmm. When you are getting to that point, because you are pretty much coding your own thing now. That is pretty Bullcraft. much... Bullcraft, yes. You are, you are now coding. So the question would be, is when you reach that point, does it not make more sense just to code everything from scratch? Not from scratch, but like using the, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's why I said I, th I certainly think it depends on where the person is at people that have no understanding and no grasp of what a filter is and what a sort does obviously get a template see how it works watch the videos but i think the majority of people inside the pkm productivity space grasp pushing buttons because they can sort of figure it out on their own it's the adding the formulas or the actual workflow of how they work that's the yeah that's the crux and getting a template of how you work isn't going to solve the problem of how do I need to do this thing? Um, which is literally I don't, I don't your business. You, can even have, you, you can't have a template of how you work. It just doesn't exist. No, because we constantly change. Yeah. So, which I but, love. but yeah, so I think with the, with my newfound love for data view, it will probably disappear in like a couple of weeks because the novelty will wear off and I'll be like, ah, oh, this thing sucks. <laughs> um, but while I'm in this at this moment in time, th this is kind of why I wanted to have a chat with you is I feel like there are so many possibilities that DataView offers that aren't being spoken about. Yeah. I didn't know about half the stuff that I could do. Like the calendar stuff I figured out, but you didn't know. And I'm like, I mean, I, I, I learned that a week and a half ago that you could do a calendar. I don't see much of that on... The platforms on YouTube, on Twitter, in blog posts, I, I don't see it spoken about apart from in the thread, which is inside the Discord community, <laughs> in, in the channel. Like you, you've got to go looking for it, but you need to know what's there. It also goes to that research thing as well that we've been yeah. talking about around how access to research and being able to learn these things, like ecological dynamics, and how 
unless you're going to sit and watch a three hour video or a lecture, you're just not, you're not going to discover it yet. At the same time, the potential for growth and development just from learning it is incredible. I mean, I, I literally, um, I saw Tiago's tweet and I was like, oh yeah, I have this book. I'm going to go back and read it. People who are on the podcast, it's The Extended Mind by Annie Murphy-Poole. And I'm just like, yes. I could have told you that. Reading it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm going to go back and read that more because I want to read it. And it's interesting. But because no, I'm really loving the fact that Tiago is referencing her. Because what he teaches is exactly like extended cognition and the whole idea of that. And that is exciting. Okay. The, Danny made Danny made the most interesting face. So, <laughs> yeah, because I suddenly thought, oh, yeah, I've got that reference. So I'm planning out a talk at the moment for um, something that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about yet. So I'm not going to. But I'm planning out a talk. <laughs> I was about to say it rewind and in the talk I I mentioned extended cognition is part of it Um, if you're interested about the talk follow me on Twitter and you'll be able to know when it happens yeah Uh, but on the 5th of August 2021 Tiago tweeted about extended cognition the extended mind and what are you clapping for Uh, like completely avoiding trouble. I, I was just like the, the mental gymnastics I appreciated watching. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so on the on the thick of all this 2021, Tiago tweeted about the extended uh, the extended cognition paper from 98, the extended mind book, and then supersizing the mind, I think it was what, 2014. The book's 2010, then 2014. And then his book was meant to be an extension from that. I don't think it is, but I see the no, idea. it's not. Because I think the other three are philosophical conversations that follow an ideology and arguments for and against this ideology and way of thinking, whereas his is much more action-focused, directed towards behaviour, and having read the book... I think... Yeah, go on. You finish first. Yeah, and having read the book, it's more of a a case study of him using the philosophy than a discussion about the philosophy. I think it's very much designed for general population, people who aren't already in building a second brain or aren't, who are just like right on the surface, not for people like us and those listening, because we are way deep underground. We The depth is so um, vast for us now. And I think that's the fun part for people. I got a lot out of Tiago's course, but... I got far more out of what I found afterwards and what I learned afterwards through like the extended mind and through the paper. And it was so awesome. And what I am enjoying of Tiago's stuff of it is that he is bringing more people into the fold of like understanding, getting things outside of our heads. And that is so freaking amazing. And I want to see that happening for more quote-unquote normal people the people who are not in the space because even that just from the business owners that i speak to on a day-to-day basis they all store it all in their head and it's like no you have no idea what you are doing you are literally taking the wheels off of your car and you are completely crippling yourself 
Yeah. You are completely crippling yourself. And it's, it's so hard to watch. It's funny you say that. I'm I'm scripting a video. I scripted a video earlier today um, about calendar task management sort of action management stuff um and i was looking back at my old calendar uh, at university and i realized all i had in my calendar was my work my work times my work schedule and a meeting every once in a while now at this point i was training for three different sports multiple times a week i was coaching two teams and individuals i was also doing a degree like master's degree or and undergraduate degree slash um and then i was also volunteering in um a private school local to me whilst doing like conferences conversations and stuff for my my degree uh and having a social life as well because i was at university <laughs> my, my calendar was like bare and I remember everything was in my head. I was never late to anything because I was so anxious about being late that I was always early. So in my head, I was constantly going over this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it was so I didn't forget. As soon as I started using a calendar, all that mental space was like, okay, now what do you do with it? And that's where my research suddenly really started exploding because I suddenly have all this mental bandwidth that I'm not trying to remember my schedule all the time. Like I remember at university, I'm like, I need to go to Eastbourne College later. And then like an hour later, I need to go to Eastbourne College later. I remember it like right now. I remember me reciting it during a lecture. Oh yeah, I need to remember to go there. Oh, actually I'm going there, but I need to do this, which I've just remembered during the lecture. I meant to be paying attention to the lecture, not remembering what I'm doing later on or thinking about something else and organizing. Yeah, calendars, very useful. Um, I wish I would, it sounds odd, but I'd wish I'd learned the skill of calendar organization earlier. Mm. what kicks what really kicks me and really bugs me now is the concept of periodization was something i was learning about in my master's degree which is uh, a principle in strength and conditioning where you periodize macro meso micro cycles for training and it's extremely in-depth and i love the spreadsheets of all the information the intensity the the volume the load measures all the different metrics you can use to periodize things peaking and loads of other stuff but my calendar still only had events on. <laughs> and I'm, sit I'm I'm reflecting back now. I'm like, what was I doing? I was planning out these people's schedules, these pro athlete schedules, literally to the minute in a session. Their whole year was mapped out to the minute, to the amount of effort they put into an exercise. But I can't put <laughs> on my day that I'm going to do some research at that point. It's just, bah. it's crazy to think about it now yeah yeah so, but yeah my, my granular information because of data view my granular information is now actually in obsidian because i i didn't i don't like blasting my calendar with so much stuff my calendar is for an overview it's like okay i want to do some reading here do i have the time for it yeah because i blocked out for it then i start um i talk about this in the video that i give myself a warm-up and like if the warm-up is good i'm like yes we're gonna go for it then I, I do the session if i don't then i'm like yeah no what i'm not gonna bother reading i'll do something else the actual granular stuff is all in obsidian i don't have to worry about it on my calendar yeah I, it's I, so yeah. I, I think you're the same like you have your calendar and then you have all your granular stuff in notion yes yeah, all of my growing stuff is in Notion, the bed, the baseline general stuff. One thing that, like, my calendar is still relatively empty um, in comparison. 
I think. Um, and one of the things that I'm still trying to like work out my way for is like the space to do different things. I quite like your workout thing, like it like the warm-up thing, sorry, where you're like, this is the warm-up. Am I getting into it? Yes. If not, then fuck it up I'm gonna go do something else. <laughs> so that might be something that I explore next because that is my calendar is quite empty. Now that is one by design so that I have space for calls with clients. So I think that might always need to be the case. Um, but I am kind of intrigued to think, okay, how would I have a little bit more of like the stuff inside of my head in my calendar? Because I still know I, I do store a lot in my head. Um, and I think there's some there's some value in that as well for me. Yeah. Now, I use Morgan, so I'll say how Morgan does it. I know Fantastical can do it, I think. Uh, and other apps do it in sort of different ways. But the the events for booking calls, like the, the booking call schedule, my Morgan only looks at my event calendar. It doesn't look at any other calendar. So it doesn't matter how messy my calendar is. My schedule is always open. I have tasks in there mainly um, because I prefer seeing tasks that I can tick off and having events that just block out my day all the time. Like I want a task to disappear. Like If I've done it, go. I, which is why Google Calendar is such a pain in the bum because you, you look at the day yeah. like, Oh yeah, it's great. Like it's it's um shaded out because it's in the past, but maybe I haven't actually done it. It's just in the past. So sometimes I want it to still be highlighted, but it's not. And I'm like, ah, which is why I went to Notion originally for my tasks. Because I was like, I need the tasks to show when I haven't done them or blocked. Um, which is why I use Morgan and the tasks. Like uh actually when i when i look at it now i know i didn't drink water this morning and i didn't do my workout today because i was busy doing other stuff but i can see that on my calendar there's tasks they don't interfere with anything else and i know i've done all the other stuff that was today i don't know what it was because it's gone um and i know what i'm doing later as well and i know the podcast now is an event because it's blocked so if anyone tried to book a time it's blocked um so i have those distinctions in my calendar um, and if I go to tomorrow, uh, that's a bad example. I go Thursday. I've got two blocks where it says read and write. They are two Bible classes sessions. I have a reading session and a writing session. But that's it. That's all it says on my calendar. Then when I go to Obsidian and I'm, okay, I'm going to read something. Actually, no. When I'm reading, I'll go to Zotero. <laughs> uh, but when I go to the appropriate environment for the thing, I'll go there and then figure it out. I don't need all that information on there. I don't need my... 2000 items Otero library in my calendar <laughs> or my 5000 note <laughs> tasks in in my my writing no no i don't want that that's way too messy <laughs> john as as john like hides away in terror <laughs> yeah i could imagine that is a terrifying thought <laughs> but these principles are things that i learn that i i learned as a coach to apply to pro athletes but why is it only pro athletes? Why can't it just be normal people like me? I say I'm normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Normal is relative and boring. It's a social construct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That could be a bit dangerous. Um, but yeah, and I guess the, the final the final question that I have for you is regarding the potential data uh, data view has in obsidian when it comes to community like community collaborative type of work because the sync vault we 
I think we're pretty successful in using it for the podcast. Yeah. And I think the biggest limitation with the sync fault with other people is the live editing on the same page. That's the the biggest Mm. limitation. But if you're not live editing on the same page as someone else, i.e. you have a page, they have a page, and then you just work on individual pages and you don't work on the same page at once, then there's not really an issue there. The next issue becomes, okay, well, how do you manage your tasks and projects inside of Obsidian? Well, from what I've learned about data view, yeah, from what I've learned about data view, it could do it. So I then I then go, okay, what's the other limitation? And the only other limitation I can come up with is licensing, commercial licensing, because Obsidian is an open source. That's literally the only other limitation I have. Mm. I also think once it gets to a certain size, it might be a problem. What do you mean a by a certain of size? People? Like, as in a number of people, how many people are in there? at once there is the more people that when it's just the two of us we both know how to work and like we don't edit it at the same time but if there's like lots of people like more than i i would say any more than three or four and it would become packed a little bit you'd have to be super clear yeah you'd have to work out what's going on but i think that's kind of the same in notion like you, you get to a number and people could be making databases all over the place. I know I've spoken with someone that works for a company that I will not mention um, because they are a, a very big company slash bank in the UK <laughs> that use Notion. And they have people like thousands of people in a workspace and people make databases instead of tasks and like paid instead of making a page in the task database, they make a database and put the task in it. Yeah, yeah. So they have like, I, I was speaking with the person at the top because I know them through connections and he searched through the, the workspace for task database and he got over a thousand like um, results. So there are over, it was like a thousand plus, it was like 999 plus results for task databases in this workspace. That's, that's not manageable. That's not, do, that's not, that's just bad. <laughs> this is bad. Um, I, I can't think of any logical reason for that to be the case. So there's obviously, yeah, yeah, it's scary. Um, and the property or the property management is disgusting. People, if people can't find a property, they make it again. Yeah, people can't find the property because it's hidden in the view that they're looking at at the top. They make it again. They just add the view again. <laughs> it's not funny. But he was he was telling me about this, and he was saying that he has some databases with with over seven hundred properties, and like three hundred of them are just duplicates. Or there's like column one or number one where someone's made a property by accident, hasn't deleted it. <laughs> and he said he can't be asked to manage it because he knows if he manages it, they're just going to do it again. So, and I I don't think that's a an app problem. I think that's a a people problem. A user problem, user error. <laughs> wow, that's just terrifying. That's just terrifying. Yeah. And I, I do think that visually, I think Obsidian will struggle. It doesn't look out of the box. It doesn't have the visual flair. Um, I think it is far more... What's it missing? I don't think it's a 
like subjectively, I know what you mean. And then I'm trying to attack it objectively and I, I can't find something. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm having as well. It's like, it, it, it is so, because it doesn't look like notion and it isn't visually like appealing, like Asana and all of the other apps, it is very subjective, but it feels like an app for people like us and the marketing around. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because this is what I was trying to put my finger on. When, when I look at data view in the page and I look at notion in the page, like I was doing some screen sharing, well, sort of working out how I'm going to do in a video. And I was looking, I'm like, the only reason I can tell the difference is because the data view, when I look at it, is outputted different to the table view. But when you look at Notion's old database, they look almost identical. And I actually prefer the data view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think there is something about Obsidian that people are terrified of. I think it's seeing the hash. Like seeing the hash, seeing the bracket when you click on it. Yes. That's the, I think that's the so. only thing I can really get to, like seeing the, the stars with the bold. Like when you go on Notion, you don't see the markdown. Whereas in Obsidian, when you click it, you do see the markdown. Which they are sort of fixing with Reader, with, sorry, with Live Preview, but also it's still not quite. It's not a true what you see, what you get editor. Yeah, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, I think that's what it is. It is very much... It's seeing symbols instead of letters, I think. Yeah, it's the seeing symbols. It's, I mean, you look at things like... Sonsama or Sonsu... There was an app, a very visually appealing app. I can't remember the bloody name right now. But you look at apps like that. You look at, you know... um, Morgan, and you look at Fantastical and how visually appealing it is to be in there. And I think for people who aren't like granularly interested, like we are, there is that is a huge barrier to entry. But I am seeing apps come out that kind of have the advanced features but feel visual. Uh, Craft Docs is one of them. Mm. like that one has a more visually appealing thing, but even then it's still not. Yeah, I, I can't, it is subjective and there is no object objectivity to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the darn point. Yeah. And I think something that for me, Obsidian has that Notion doesn't have is obviously the CSS themes, but that's where, I think potentially the customization is too much in Obsidian. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I I I think I think the ceiling on Obsidian is more. Is a, yeah. If there was a a notion an Obsidian baby and it created something that was kind of in the middle, I think there would be a lot more. It would have a benefit to both sides, and I think that's. I'm not sure whether that's ever going to be created or yeah. ever could be created. I wouldn't want marketing, it to Marketing, that would be hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but in terms of... Yeah, I mean, I think a, a one that I, that pops to mind 
like another app that isn't productivity is like ConvertKit, for example. It looks super simple, really basic, and like you can just do what you need to do. But there is great power under the hood, like the liquid templating. If you, you know, once you know, there is so much potential. And then you move into apps like Entreport, which is like this whole massive system thing and it does everything. And then I just want to create a simple flipping product and it's almost impossible to do. And it's so interesting, like the balance of depth, because once you go too deep, it, it looks a mess, whereas Notion is deep enough. And Obsidian, I don't think is a mess. I don't have that Obsidian's a mess either. I just think I, there is. I think what I'm like, what I have in my head is when you go into Notion, it's hard to start with Notion because you need complexity. Like you can't really use Notion well without a database. But a database itself is quite challenging for new users. Whereas Obsidian, yes. you can pick it up and just go straight away because it's literally just a page yeah. and write. But Notion, once you've figured out databases, there's small increases here and there. Obsidian, once you've well, once you've started Obsidian, and as soon as you open the can of worms of community plugins, it's like a here's a whole new world, Aladdin reference. Um, <laughs> oh, world. yeah, that whole thing. Um, and <laughs> that was really bad. But yeah, th this whole new world has opened up, and unless you are, unless you are mature enough, unlike uh, someone on this call, uh, and, and unless you have the ability to constrain yourself and go, okay, I'm not going to use all of the plugins. I'm not going to try all the CSS themes. I'm not going to try and learn every single feature of this app because it's literally impossible. Um, and you say, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to use what I need to use. Like, uh, like my recent video about Obsidian, why I switched, use Obsidian like Word. Use the features you actually want to use. No one knows what all the other buttons in Word do. Like, I don't know what the references does, even though I use references. I don't know how to format the stuff in Word. It's disgusting. It's horrible. I don't want to learn how to do that. And half the plugin, well, more than half the plugins in Obsidian are the same. I'm like, I don't want to use that. I have three community plugins. Zotero integrations, Tag Wrangler, and DataView. DataView was added like two weeks ago. That's it. All the other stuff is core to Obsidian. And then you've got other people that are like, I have 25 community plugins. Great. <laughs> Why? Obviously, there are use cases for it, but you really don't need it. How I'm not really intrigued at how many I've got. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking. Oh, my God. You, you counted longer than three seconds. <laughs> no, I was just trying to find my way in because I don't go in here very often. Uh, control shift S for One, me. Two, three, four, five, six. How many I'm actually using? One, two, three, four. I'm not actually using half of these either. <laughs> Nowhere near as many as I as it as I've got on. I don't use meta edit. I don't really use periodic. I do use periodic notes. Have you got rid of periodic notes then? Yeah, I got rid of that months ago. Interesting. Interesting. Wait, when you think yeah. about it, what what are they for? Tasks. What do I use tasks? Morgan. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, I have a couple in here that I don't actually use anymore. 
I just haven't turned them off because I'm not in here enough to warrant it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same as like some of the hotkeys and settings and core plugins and things. Like, uh, I still have the audio recorder core plugin active, but I haven't used it in seven months. <laughs> it's it's just a button that I can click if I want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at all of these and going, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, uninstall, uninstall, <laughs> uninstall, uninstall. <laughs> I am quite literally doing that right now as we talk. I'm just like, oh, uninstall that one, uninstall that one. I do have some questions around the um, the fact that you're now using the Zotero integration on its own. That, that I do have questions for, which maybe we'll uh, have a little chit chat afterwards. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually thinking out, uh, thinking of calling the call there. <laughs> Get it, calling the call there, because um, <laughs> hello, it's cool, it's cool now. Hello, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we've covered data and I think we've covered the apps quite well. And if anyone is, so I tweeted quite recently, like while we're recording this, what queries they have, because I'm curious to see like, what's the most frequent search they have? Like in Notion, what's your most frequent database view that's got the filters and sorts? Like what's your most frequent? Is it actions? Is it tasks? What do you filter by? What do you group by? What do you sort by in Rome or Remnote or Logsic, whatever? What's your most frequent search? And if there is like a collection of frequent searches, Maybe you could just make, or someone, either me, whoever, can make a database or a vault that has those frequent searches made for you, and then you just have it oh, done. That'd sorted. be amazing. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. It saves all the hassle of having to make the searches yourself. I like that. Yeah, so if you, if you do have a, a favorite search or a go-to go-to searches, let let me know. Tweet at me. Tweet at me, and I'm gonna I'm tweet gonna make a me. yeah tweet at me because I I want to make a list of the most frequent database view like once like how do I filter for just a page how do I filter for just this that or the other because there are things that you do in Notion that like I just do this but I can't find at the moment a resource where it goes oh you just do this I have to go into the yeah. documentation but like is it from is it where do I need a, a file dot note something like how do I do this and that's what I want to try and put together. So yeah, yeah, let me know. I like that. Yeah, let us know. Well, let him know because he'll do it, and I'll just enjoy. <laughs> You'll just use it, <laughs> use and abuse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. All right. See you guys uh, next week. Bye bye.